Welcome to Advent season. It is upon us. And let's put our hands together for the Reynolds family again. And Benton, great job with our first Advent reading. I think you have a future, young man, in the public reading of God's Word, and that's something. And so welcome everybody in this room and all those joining us online. Welcome to a season that is set apart to prepare us for Christ's entry into the world. Now, I know we come right on the heels, some of you still in the midst of your Thanksgiving, and you're like, wait, it's staring right at us. It's Advent. This is the first Sunday in the early church several hundred years ago, set aside four weeks to prepare our hearts for the significance of Jesus' entry in the world. Like, we shouldn't just roll up on Christmas with, oh my gosh, it's Christmas week. That's not how this is supposed to work. It's too significant of a moment. So we will be spending these four weeks preparing our hearts and simultaneously anticipating what is it that Jesus is going to bring forth, birth forth new in our lives individually and collectively as a congregation. Isn't that some anticipation, right? We're, we're going to anticipate and prepare the ways Jesus shows up and brings some new things forth in all of our lives this Christmas season. And so we have our Advent wreath and Advent candle. On your way in the door, you received an Advent guide. So it's a, it's a two-note sheet Sunday. Relax. That doesn't mean, you know, double portion message. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, pot roast is going to burn today. So two note sheets just means I'm wanting to give you a guide to help you through this season. Some of you are rookies at the Advent scene. That's fine. Everybody has to have a starting point. And as Eagle Church, we've probably have been 10, 12 years practicing Advent. We're playing about 1,500 years of catch-up to the early church and what they've been doing. But this just walks you through it. So mom, dad, kiddos, welcome to the adult service. Thanks for being a part of the worship today. And this is an opportunity for you kids to be involved at home. If you look at the backside of the guide, there's a picture of an Advent wreath. And you can go on Amazon, pick one of those up, some candles, fairly inexpensive, and then have some time together through this next month at the table, light the candles, read the scriptures, have a prayer. And we're going to be doing that collectively on Sunday morning. This is our Advent wreath here on Sundays. And so each week we'll have a different family come. And as the uh, weeks get closer to Christ's birth, December 25th, the light will grow. We'll light a candle for each progressive week. So this gives you a little background, little guidance, and give you the individual readings along the way. And we're kind of thematically this year, we're going to talk about the Jesus way, the many ways that Jesus is the way all through this next month. So if you've got a Bible near you, open it up to John chapter 14. That's where we're at this morning as we're looking at a passage that... Um, we have a guy named Thomas who's on Struggle Street with what's going on in this uh, dialogue. And uh, we'll get it. I don't know if, you, if you've read recently about all the new, like, technological data that's coming out on the amount of attention we're giving to our iPhones and all the other electronic devices. But especially this past week, I'm guessing we touched our phones a few hundred times. The average day, do you want to guess the average day how many times you reach for your phone? 262 times a day. That's average. Some of you are blowing that average way up at the top to balance out the others that are on the lower end. You with 262, the average amount of time in 2021 that Americans are spending on their phone per day, three hours and 19 minutes. So with that as a backdrop, look at Eugene Peterson's quote here on your notes. 
In our odd admiration of technology, we have hardly noticed that there is little skill or wisdom or concern given to the way we actually live. A technologicalized world knows how to make things, knows how to get places, but is not conspicuous or is not known for living well. And so, church, everybody learns how to live from somebody. Now, kids, your primarily influence of learning how to live are your parents. So it might be your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, extended family. Everybody's got to learn how to live from somebody. The question that Jesus would pose before us is, who's going to teach us how to live well? And some of you have been in environments and you've been raised in the kind of family that's amazing, that is helping you grow into adulthood living well. Others, you, maybe not so much. Most of us have a mixed bag in our upbringing. That's because we're all fallen human beings. We get some things right and we get other things not so right. And Jesus comes to us, and here's a picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You come to Jesus with open hands and an open heart, and you say, Jesus, teach me how to live. Like, I think you're the best guide for all of life. And I'm going to give you my life, and I'm going to submit to your voice of authority in my life. Like when there comes to my way versus Jesus' way, a Christian says Jesus' way trumps my way. Like he gets the upper hand. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, you're still working through that. I just want to give you a picture. That's what's going on in John 14. They're on Struggle Street trying to figure out who's going to have the voice of authority to give them guidance on how you're going to live, not just live making it through your everydays, but live well. And I would argue that Jesus is the best. There's no one like Him. And we're going to spend the whole month making a case for how unique and set apart Jesus of Nazareth is. There's no one like Him, church. And He is the center point of our gatherings. As our worship team did a great job with our songs and the lyrics that we'll be singing and the scriptures we'll be reading and the messages we're bringing forth are Christ-centered. Advent is about Jesus. The center of the season is Him, His life, what He has come to bring, uniquely set apart from every other person who's entered this world. There's no one like Jesus. This is the Jesus way. And that's what John 14, Thomas, known as Doubting Thomas, this is that same guy, he's wanting to know why Jesus would exit. Now, listen, we got to give Thomas, cut him some slack here. If you've been hanging out with Jesus physically for a few years, you wouldn't appreciate him talking about him exiting either. Jesus was the kind of guy people wanted to be around, which parenthesis, that's a good picture for a person growing in a relationship with Jesus. Are you becoming the kind of person that others enjoy being around? That's a marker for someone spiritually alive in Jesus because people wanted to be around Jesus. They were drawn to him. Not everyone was jumping on his train, but they were drawn to what he said and who he was and how he handled himself. And Thomas is trying to figure out, Jesus, why would you leave us? I like being around you. And he has this question in verse 5. Look on your notes there. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Underline way, truth, and life in verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is the sixth of seven I am declarations in the Gospel of John. 
I put them in your notes there for you. In John 6, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. In John 8, I'm the light of the world. John 10, I'm the door and I am the good shepherd. In John 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. And then last week, Kim did a great job with John 15, I am the true vine. And then here in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's his seven declarations that I would argue no one in the history of the world made those kinds of declaration, only Jesus of Nazareth. Now, a bunch of people didn't believe him, but believe you me, he's the only one declaring. It's a multi-layered declaration of what? Jesus is God in the flesh. They didn't have to have a discussion about, is Jesus fully man? He's there as a full man. There wasn't a debate, are you a man? He's there. You with me? We have a whole bunch of debates going on today. Jesus is fully God and fully man. In John 14, clearly fully man, you're standing in front of us, and now he declares in a seven-layer declaration, I am fully God, in the flesh, present. So whatever Jesus you're going to center your Advent season on, it must be centered on this Jesus of Nazareth who reveals himself as this, the bread of life, the light of the world, the good shepherd, resurrection, life, true vine. That Jesus is who we're anchored and centered on. And Thomas, he's, he's struggling because, again, he's trying to figure out the way and the truth, and there's a key, the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to see this morning that there has to be an integration for those three. There has to be an integration with the Jesus way, with the Jesus truth, to bring about the Jesus life. We all have to learn how to live from somebody. We're all looking for life to the full. The, the New Testament word for life is zoe. Say zoe. It means absolute fullness of life. It's the kind of life, like students and young people, you grow up dreaming about life to the full. Jesus is saying, Zoe kind of a life. He's saying, that is available to you in me. It's the intersection of Jesus' truth with Jesus' way that brings about Jesus' life. Now, here's the challenge. Some of you were raised in environments where it was truth, truth, no grace. It was just all, it was beating the Bible into you Monday through Sunday in varying ways, but very little, it was all Jesus truth, but no Jesus way. There was no grace. The New Testament profile for that would be the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the profile for they had a religious answer. They had a chapter and a verse. They had an explanation for everybody's situation. They just didn't have the life. They had all the religious answers. They had the religious systems. They had the stack of rules and books. They had all the truth, and Jesus confronts them. You don't have the life because it was devoid. The Jesus truth was devoid of the Jesus way. It's truth plus way equals life. And others of you may be raised in environments which was like grace, grace, no truth. I think our generation growing up, the previous generation probably leaned towards the side of truth, truth, no grace. I think the younger generation growing up now has moved to the grace, grace, no truth. It's like C.S. Lewis said, the enemy always sends errors in pairs. When you turn from one, you fall headlong into the other. So grace, grace, no truth is what? It's all about love, love. It's all about tolerance. It's all about just you know, putting up with everyone's view of truth, of everyone's view of reality, just leave everyone alone, don't have any judgmental attitudes. And a few weeks ago, I took a whole message and just talked about how Jesus calls us to be a people who make a wise and discerning assessment. That's called being a good human. So, 
if you're raised in an environment, just grace, grace, no truth. The New Testament profile for that would be the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4. She had five husbands, and the guy she's with, the sixth husband, is not even her husband. She's living with a guy. She's looking for life. She's trying to find it. It's all about her just defining what she wants, how she wants. When She's the center of her worldview to define, I'm finding life. And this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And she's swinging O for five, and now on the six, Jesus shows up on the scene. And he's going to integrate Jesus' truth with Jesus' way to bring about Jesus' life. And so we tend to come from one of those two sides of the ditch, generally, as we come to Jesus. And what I want us to see this morning is this integration of this Jesus way to invite us into the kind of life Jesus is calling to. We have to find this rhythm of His truth, yes, with His way, yes, that brings His life. Because His life is found at the intersection of grace and truth. It's both. It can't just be truth, truth, no grace. It can't just be grace, grace, no truth. No, it's Jesus' way, but Jesus' truth brings about Jesus' life. Are you with me? So that's, church, that's what this Advent season is centered on. And my prayer for us this year is, I don't know what kind of a vision you have of Jesus. Some of you come from backgrounds where you've had a bunch of stuff done to you in the name of Jesus that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. So here's my invitation to you this Advent. Would you just give a fresh look at who Jesus really is through this God-breathed book, through these texts that we'll read, through the songs that we'll sing, candles that we'll light, the meditations that we'll have, will you just ask Jesus to reveal himself to you authentically for who he is? And maybe it's become, become increasingly clear that some stuff that you thought was Jesus really, really wasn't much about Jesus. And here's the temptation we have is when we're, when we're kind of running against the grain, when things bump into us that in the name of Jesus, don't have a lot to do with Jesus. We toss Jesus out done based upon a bunch of abuses done in his name. And that's a, we got to be careful to be wise and honest that things have happened and that things aren't right and things have been unhealthy and some things need healing. But don't toss Jesus out because maybe a bunch of people in his name did a bunch of stuff that didn't do with anything to do with him. So that's one group I want to just call it. Just why not this season? Spend this month. See, Jesus, would you just give me a fresh revelation of who you are authentically to see you as the truth and the way and lead me to your life? Wouldn't that be something? I think it can happen this season. Maybe even starting this morning. Just melt away some stuff that needs to melt away. And then for others of you, you come from a background where your vision of Jesus is kind of like your, he's like your yoga instructor on steroids or something, you know, super spiritual, whatever, and, you know, you just light candles and do whatever you want for spiritually, kind of define your spiritual reality, and you just want everybody to tolerate your stuff, and you want to kind of integrate Jesus into that kind of a secular, humanist center of the world view that I think we're, we're struggling a bit with as a country, push Jesus and God to the margins, put self at the center, that whole thing. And I just want to encourage you, hey, let's approach this Advent season, right? Let's approach, and let's ask Jesus to reveal himself for who he truly is. Because he's making a pretty strong declaration here in verse 6. When he uses the phrase, no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, some of us have an emotional allergic reaction right now to that statement. It is a statement of complete exclusivity. Like, what does Jesus mean with verse 6? He means 
Jesus is the only way to be set right in a relationship with the God who gave you life. That's what he means. Jesus isn't one of many ways. He is the way, the truth, leading you to the life. He is exclusive in his claim. If your spirituality isn't centered on the Jesus revealed here, Jesus of Nazareth, as if your spirituality isn't centered on this Jesus, Jesus says you're on the wrong road, heading the wrong direction. From a few weeks ago, the gate is narrow because it's Jesus-shaped, but it's a gate that leads to life. Wide is the path that's going the wrong way. Wide is the road that just kind of whisks you away to distraction and drifting and kind of creating your own whatever. And this Advent, no, we're going to come say, Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father. No one is set right in a relationship with a God who gave them life except through you. It's a declaration of exclusivity. Now, I want you to dovetail that with as exclusive as Jesus is, I want you to think about how inclusive he is as exclusive as he. He's as inclusive as he is exclusive. There's no one like Jesus of Nazareth to approach the human condition and reach out to the farthest margins of humanity and go, he's the one who goes to the Samaritan woman at the well who's caught up in all kinds of relational issues. He's the one to go to the lepers. He's the one to go to the tax collectors. He's the one to go to the marginalized, the overlooked, the forgotten, the ones that the religious system of his day had nothing to say to. Jesus had something to say to them. So Jesus is embodying this wide path. He's saying, my life, this kingdom life, this invitation to life is available to anyone at any time from any background. That's as inclusive as you get, church. There is no one beyond the Jesus way. But he's also equally clear, there is no way but the Jesus way. He's as inclusive as as he is exclusive, and it's the integration of the Jesus way with the Jesus truth that brings about this Jesus life. If you're with me, say amen. amen. Yes. And so, I don't know if you saw um, last Sunday after we played in Buffalo, the post-game, the drill at every stadium that we play in is the media has privilege to whoever they want, which is usually the head coach and then key players in the game. For an hour after the game, we kind of have to stick around the stadium for them to do the media drill. So it's called post-game press conference that Frank Reich is at every single game speaking to usually the same kind of press corps, except for last Sunday. He felt a prompting from God to open his post-game press conference a little differently. Listen in. No, I, I just, honestly, I just needed a moment. I just needed a moment. Um, but, hey, I don't do this often, but I, I just want to start out by saying something personal. Um, like I said, in four years, I, I think I've only done this one other time. But, <clears throat> you know, some people know that our team has been using the metaphor of climbing Mount Everest to, power, to parallel our quest to make it to the top. And it doesn't take long to figure out that this metaphor doesn't merely apply to football. It, rather, it can be a picture of the many challenges that we all face, right? We all face mountains that we're you know, trying to climb. And so 
<clears throat> I just wanted to offer a word of encouragement really to anyone out there who's in the midst of a struggle. In particular, I'm thinking of a few friends who I know are going through some stuff. And I want to give a personal account to where I found my strength for the journey. The reason I'm doing that here and now is because almost 30 years ago, in a really, after a really big game, right down the hall in a press conference, I shared the lyrics to a song that meant a lot to me, that really spoke to where, where I get my strength from. And uh, the song's In Christ Alone, and it's written by Sean Craig. I'm not gonna recite the whole song like I did in the locker room back in 1993, but I do wanna just share a very small snippet of it that might encourage someone who's climbing their own mountain right now. It says this, the chorus says, In Christ alone I place my trust, and I find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is Christ alone. And then there's one small snippet in the second verse, which is my favorite line, favorite lyric says, I seek no greater honor than just to know him more. <clears throat> so even, even though it was almost 30 years ago when I read those words here in this stadium, this week I was reminded, Hebrews 13:8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's crazy, but we're here, but we're here some 30 years later, not living in the past, but rather attempting to press on to what is ahead. So my encouragement is to keep climbing and to find the strength and power that you need in Jesus Christ. If you weren't a Colts fan before you came to church, perhaps you might be now, right? Uh, there are 32 of those press conferences that happen every week. would argue not many begin like that. If you watch the whole footage of the press conference, he pauses there and he says, okay, we can talk about the game now. And he said it was a bit of, you know, a bit of a transition for the press corps. But he called me on Monday. That was Sunday afternoon, late afternoon. He called me on Monday and he said, Eric, you're not going to believe the ripple effect from those two minutes. I asked him, I said, Coach, give me the backstory. Obviously, you've been, you felt a prompting about this. And he just said, you know, the journey of the week, and he just felt in his own time with the Lord that Sunday was going to be special. He played for Buffalo 10-plus years there, so that place and that environment has a lot of history with him. And he just felt like it was a moment, and it was a moment to be really clear about where he finds his strength and his hope. It's in Christ alone. And he also sensed a prompting that the metaphor for Everest isn't just for our team. And maybe for someone today, you're on your own personal Everest climb and you can't figure out how you're going to get to the next stage of the journey. And I think Frank would want you to know, and I think this part of what the Advent season is, here's your picture of how you're going to get from whatever elevation you're at to wherever he wants you to be. It's going to be in Christ alone. Jesus is the only way. So John 14 is, Jesus is our way to the Father. Now stay with me. As Frank just said, but Jesus, he's also God's way to us. It's the Jesus way. It's two lanes on the same highway. Jesus is our way to God, and Jesus is God's way to us. You tracking that? That's what Advent's about. That's this time of year. 
And for you and your own personal journey of how you're going to get from where you are to where God wants you to be with whatever mountain you're staring at, it's this. It's the Jesus of Advent. It's Christ alone, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's Him that that same strength and power that Frank spoke about is available to anyone. As I put in your notes, there's an amazing verse in Hebrews chapter 1 that I think illustrates this that Jesus is God's way to us. Look at this, verse 3, Hebrews 1, 3. This sentence is just unbelievable when you read it, so I want you to really soak it in here. Listen to this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. Church, who do you know who could say something? Only Jesus of Nazareth. The phrase is exact representation. Do you see that? Now, do you understand why they put him on a cross? If you weren't on the Jesus train, you were clearly understanding what he was claiming. He was claiming to be the way, the truth, and the life. He was claiming to be the Messiah, the long-awaited anointed one. He was claiming to be the one that when he died and rose again, it was going to shut down the entire religious system that was established. And all these priests that were standing there chanting crucify him, they were all out of a job is what he was saying to them. Because it's going to be one sacrifice, his blood for all. The exact representation of his being is what Jesus was saying, and I put in your notes what that means. It means literally in the Greek engraving. It's the word we get character. It means molding. It's like a stamp that it conveys the original image. So when you have the question come to your mind, what is God like? Here's what Jesus says to you. Whenever the question comes up, what is God like? Just look at Jesus. That's what God's like. Watch his life. Pay attention to what he reveals. How does he handle situations? How does he deal with relationships? What does he do with conflict? How does he handle his relationship with his father and his family and the circumstances? What does he do with suffering? Watch him suffer. Watch him have joy. Watch him have success. Watch him have failure. Watch all of the things about Jesus. Say, what is God like? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus is our way to the Father, but Jesus is God's way to us. If you want to know what God is like, Jesus of Nazareth is the exact representation of his being. Are you kidding me? There's no one like Jesus. There's no one. And if you've never met him, that's the invitation of this time of year. Don't just roll along through the Advent season not meeting Jesus. He's the center of it. And it's his way with his truth that brings you the life that I believe at your core you're really longing for. Because we're, we're all looking for life to be lived. We want to live well. We want a life that's lived well. And Jesus says, you come to me. I'll give you Zoe kind of a life. I am the way to the Father, and I'm the Father's way to you. It's two lanes on the same road. And so, worship team, why don't you come on back up? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite us to the communion table now here in just a few minutes. If you didn't get your communion elements on the way in, in just a moment, we'll give you an opportunity to get up. There's a table in the back there. It's kind of our COVID-friendly communion. Those of you at home, this would be a good opportunity. Grab some bread, crackers, leftover Thanksgiving meal, something. Uh, find some cranberry juice, grape juice, something. Grab some elements now. And um, parents, you know, help out the kiddos. We've got a lot of young ones in the room, a lot of young ones probably listening online this morning. Going to put it in your hands to help, like, your kids understand the significance of what we're doing here and that 
kids, when you've come to a place, point where you've placed, your relation, you've placed your faith and your trust in this Jesus that we've been talking about, when you've given Him your heart, and He's your personal Lord and Savior, you take communion. And if you're not quite at that place and you're still trying to figure it out, then let mom and dad help kind of guide you through. Your time is coming. Communion is reserved for those who've said yes to Jesus. And then this is also an opportunity for us to pause and to reflect on like what Thomas is saying. Like, did you notice how Thomas's like question was about direction and location? I don't know where the way you were going. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Like, he was about direction and location, and Jesus' response was relationship. I am the way. So, in other words, Jesus says this, Thomas, you just come to me, keep your eyes locked on me, follow me, and you'll get where you need to go. That's a good word for us as we take the communion elements today, I think. Maybe there's a lot of preoccupation with where do I go with this and what do I do next and I don't know the way and I'm looking for this answer and that answer and Jesus comes to you today and He says, I I am. I am the way. You come to me. You simply put your eyes on me. You set the gaze of your soul on me and you'll get to where you need to get to. I'll get you from A to B. You don't need to be a member of Eagle Church to participate in communion. But you do need to be a follower of Him. You do need to have come to a point where you said yes to Him. And in a moment, I'll give you an opportunity to do that. And then this is our opportunity to kind of examine inside condition and direction. Where are we going this Advent season? Maybe it's a time to reset. Maybe this is a Sunday where you come in and say, you know what? It's just been, been too distracted, going too many different directions, too many different things, and I need to get recentered and regrounded right here on the centrality of Jesus. This is a good opportunity to do that. As you come and take the element, say, Jesus refresh and renew. Reveal yourself to me again as the way and the truth and the life. And around here, when we take communion, we also want to invite people to come and receive prayer. And so we're going to give you some space here in just a minute to come to the prayer benches on either side, and specifically around the area that some of you are really struggling with your physical bodies with stuff. And maybe doctors don't know what's going on, and maybe there's just been a whole lot more questions than answers. Whatever the situation is, that we believe there's healing power, as Isaiah 53 says, by His stripes we're made whole. That through His shed blood and His broken body, He's purchased a way for our physical wholeness as well. And so we'll have some folks over here, students, this is where Brad's going to be over on this side, so students, you may want to pray with Brad. Julia Davis is going to be over here, ladies, if you want to pray with Julia. And then Pete Darge, one of our elders, is going to be on this side. And I'll be over on this side. So whomever you want to come up, kneel, we'll just take a moment, anoint you with oil, and pray for the Lord to touch you in whatever way. Some emotional healing, relational healing, some measure of healing. We want to provide that space around these elements. Because it's Jesus' way wedded with Jesus' truth that brings about Jesus' life in all of its fullness and wholeness. And so before I pray, I want to, I put this prayer in your notes. I thought I wanted to leave it for you. I think it'd be a good um, kind of an Advent meditation prayer for us this time of year. I'm going to read this prayer, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer to be up here on the screen. It's from the Valley of Vision, a Puritan prayer book. It says, Lord, high and holy, meek and lowly, let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess all, that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. Lord, 
Let me find Thy light in my darkness, Thy life in my death, Thy joy in my sorrow, Thy grace in my sin, Thy riches in my poverty, Thy glory in my valley. Father, thank You. Thank You for Advent. Thank You for inviting us into this season. And Jesus, we just pause right now. We center ourselves squarely on You right now. We hear Your declaration that You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through You. And and so maybe for you this morning, maybe this is your moment. Maybe you've known about Jesus or heard about, but you want to make it personal today, and you just simply cry out from right where you are in the quietness of your heart, say, Jesus, save me. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on a cross and rose from the dead. Here's my life. Have it. Lead it. I join Thomas and the others, and I say, I will follow you. Or maybe some others listening today, and it's kind of a, a recommitment, a recentering, a regrounding to what used to be. You remember a time when maybe you were more centered on all this, and today's the day just to reset it. Just come back. Work the muscle. When we wander away, we work the muscle. Come back. Just keep working it. Come back. And just come back to you. We just come back to you. There's no one like you. We long for the life that you have to offer. It's what it, really what our souls are searching for. And so we worship you today for being our way to the Father, and we worship you, Jesus, for being the Father's way to us, the Jesus way. As we take these elements, we do so as an act of worship. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.